What's up, everyone? I am Doug Kide, joined as always by Mike Hurley. Welcome to Pat's Chat. The Patriots have lost. Their season is over, but the podcast will continue on. Uh, Mike, how are you doing? What were your... Tell me all of your thoughts on this game all right now at once. All right. You got about 30 to 40 minutes of this uh, uninterrupted. Please don't say a word. <laughs> um, you know, I think that was not a surprise by any means. I think the Patriots did what we expected, which is like kind of play their asses off. I think the players on the field have generally shown a good amount of fight. Um, they just couldn't go toe-to-toe with the Bills. I, I think that's, you know, you could point out the 14 special teams points, but I think if uh, if needed, the Bills offense could have done more toward the end of the game. So I'm not going to play the lose by 12, but 14 were special teams. I think the Bills were better as we expected. You know, the Patriots kind of needed a miracle, couldn't pull it off, and and they, they get what they get. You know, you rely on the Jets and Browns to make the playoffs. It's, it's not going to work out. Yeah, um, it's kind of funny. I didn't really think about this until today that it was the two other teams that Bill Belichick has been a head coach of, the Jets mm. and Browns, that they had to rely on, and uh, neither one came through. I thought beyond special teams, it was like a, it was kind of a valiant effort by the Patriots in this game. Yeah. Um, I think they did show some heart. I think they did show like if this game had come when the la- like the last time the Patriots played the Bills. I think that people would have come out of that game being like, oh, maybe the Patriots aren't that bad. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit unfortunate this game happened in week 18 when, quite frankly, that doesn't matter anymore how good the Patriots are this season because we'll get into this later. But I think that everyone kind of expects some wholesale changes to come for the Patriots this offseason. But, like, yeah, I guess at least they showed some heart there at the end. I do want to talk about the special teams, though, and maybe that's the first thing we can talk about since – it was literally me, the first play of the game. Yeah, let me add that? real quick before that uh, to the to like the larger point of what they were in, in that valiant effort. They started, I want to say, three for five on third down, um, and it was kind of like there was create there was creativity, there was good red zone play calling, mm-hmm. and it was all kind of coming together. And then I I believe if I'm not mistaken, if they started three for five, they finished one for eight on their last eight third <laughs> downs. So it's sort of what we've seen all season. The offense yeah. has good parts. Uh, Matt Patricia can make some good calls, but a 60-minute complete game, we really haven't seen much of that. And they, really, I mean, if they got one in that game, maybe maybe they could have pulled off the upset. But the second half was just a, a tough one for them. But I, I wanted to get that in in the top. Yeah, and it is actually kind of funny because there was like, what, two or three plays there in the fourth quarter where it was like, oh, okay, the game's over. And then like the game wasn't over, mm-hmm. but they did – to some degree, kind of keep fumbling the ball away there um, at the end. And, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't a complete performance from the Patriots, once again, even on offense. Like, yeah, there was some some valiant efforts in there. There was some promise shown. But still, Mac Jones had a negative EPA per play on the game. The Patriots offense in general, I think, had a negative EPA per play on the game. So as good as things were there at the beginning – uh, the second half uh, it wasn't like a complete disaster because there were s- still some plays made by Mac Jones and Devontae Parker and these players on the Patriots. But uh, overall, that second half was was not great. Yeah, Mac was great, I thought, in the first half. 13 yeah. for 15, I want to say, with two touchdowns. But, um, you know, he wasn't quite three interceptions bad, even though the stat sheet says that. Right. Um, but the first one for sure uh, was was a probably a bad throw. I don't know. It, it looked like Aguilar could have maybe kept going and fought better for it but 
not great. The other ones were just kind of like desperation, trying to fit throws yeah. in, even though you know they're not great decisions. You kind of had to. So uh, deflections and whatnot. So I thought he had a just it's kind of like the rest of like most of the year where it's like he was OK on the whole. Uh, could have been better. Uh, and it doesn't really help us in determining that. I think we both agree that Mac wasn't the reason that they went eight and nine. Uh, right. But he didn't do much to boost his own profile along the way. Like he just kind of treaded water this year. And I think this game was in line with that. Yeah. Uh, the first interception, I almost blame Mac Jones the most for like throwing to Nelson Aguilar in that situation. Like yeah. covered by Tredavious White. Um, I do think there was probably more that Nelson Aguilar could have done there. It was almost like even a half-hearted effort to try to knock the ball away. <laughs> like, like nothing about that play showed a full amount of effort. Like, I think Nelson Aguilar, first of all, was surprised that Mac Jones was throwing on the ball. And then, I, I don't know. It was just really kind of a bizarre play by Nelson Aguilar. I don't think the throw was great by Mac Jones, but I also don't think it necessarily needed to be in interception uh, um, on that throw. And he was having so much success throwing to other receivers like Jacoby Myers and Devontae Parker, uh, Kendrick Bourne, obviously Ramondre Stevenson um, was pretty decent out there. Hunter Henry had a decent game. Like I just, there was no real reason to get Nelson Aguilar involved there. I think that Nelson Aguilar's career with the Patriots just could have finished with a whimper without that throw happening. That's fair. I, I think that's fair. But at the same time, it's like, well, the ball's in the air. Go fight right. for it. I don't know. It could have been. It could have been a better play. But um, I mean, the defense played pretty well. How many punts did the Bills have? That's obviously been a big story. Yeah. Uh, the Bills. The Bills had to punt three times. Uh, they turned it over uh, before halftime there. So the defense, you can forgive them for the one of the most beautiful passes I've ever seen from Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs. Um, certainly, uh, I don't know. You can get on them for that. You can get on them for letting practice squad call up John Brown just jog behind them when on sort of a scramble play. Obviously, when Josh Allen's pointing deep, like you got to have some awareness if you're peeking in the backfield that someone's on the other end of that point and maybe you should get back. So uh, I don't know whether that's on McCordy or Brian. It looked like Miles Bryant was the first to react to Brown breaking deep. But that one, I think, was a pretty big one uh, where it was probably the moment you referred to where you said, well, all right, it's over. Um, they did right. fight back. They did. Yeah. They did get the muffed punt, uh, if you want to call it that. After that, so there was still some fight, but uh, I don't know. They, like it's the same thing without a defensive or special team score, you really can't beat a good team. No, and I, can't, I should say no, and I think they did get some breaks in that game as well. Obviously, the Patriots, like Josh Allen, just decided to throw the ball to Devin McCourty. Mm -hmm. uh, before the half, I don't think anyone really could have foreseen that happening, even though Josh Allen has made some of those weird red zone mistakes so far this season. Uh, also, the muffed punt was just a really weird play. Like, yeah. those players clearly should have known to get away from that. But, like, if one of those plays had turned into a touchdown, if the Patriots could have somehow returned that muffed punt for a touchdown, if Devin McCourty could have returned the interception, like, if something there would have happened, then maybe the Patriots win this game. But just, like, matchup for matchup, Patriots going up against the Bills. Josh Allen having the ability to make those throws they did to Stephon Diggs and John Brown. It's just like, all right, well, the Bills are considerably better. And I think that this was another game, unfortunately for the Patriots, where the depth in the secondary did kind of rear its ugly head once again. I don't think that you ideally want Miles Bryant really even on the field in that game against the Bills. I think you'd probably prefer right. to have... Uh, you know, Jalen Mills or even Jack Jones on the field. And we'll get into Jack Jones and Jake Bailey a little bit later. Uh, but 
I don't know. And even, you know, Kyle Duggar allowing a touchdown to Dawson Knox. Kyle Duggar has kind of struggled in man coverage against tight ends. Uh, obviously, there's been more good from Kyle Duggar than bad this season. But I'm still not sure that you can completely trust him in a one-on-one matchup against a tight end, especially in the red zone at this point. Agree. I, I agree. Um, there was still, like, against Josh Allen and all, I still say on the whole, they did a pretty good job. Like, you yeah. can obviously nitpick there were some big, but 327 yards. Uh, the Bills won 7 for 12 on third down, which is pretty pretty good. Uh, but could have been worse. Uh, 1 for 2 in the red zone trips. We know the the, the turnover there. So um, I, I thought the defense overall was good. Um, which brings us to our topic that you were going to get to, which is special teams. Um, they allowed two kickoff returns. I don't know if you caught those. And the first one, <laughs> I think Bill Belichick was asked about the first one, like did the emotion of the moment and the, the scene and all that contribute to that? And Bill Belichick just goes, no, <laughs> which I thought was pretty good because that was an incredible moment. Yeah, given all that went on with DeMar Hamlin in the pregame and the medical scene and, and just the fans and all the relief of all of them to be there to have an opening kick just the at the time, just the fifth kick return for a touchdown of the season. Uh, I thought that was pretty special. But, Doug, this is not a Cam Accord podcast, so we're not going to sit here and point out Cam Accord's faults. But the Patriots allowed half of all kick return touchdowns in the NFL this year. That yes. is, again, I'm not calling for a man's job, but that is something that can't stand. No. So the Bills on offense had 327 net net yards. Patriots allowed 235 kick return yards in this game. Naheem Hines, four kick returns, uh, 235 yards, two touchdowns, long of 101 yards. And Nick Folk also kicked the ball out of bounds when he was trying to attempt to squib. That was not great. Michael Polardi, actually maybe one of the better polarity games that we've seen so far this Except season for his 28 but he also had a 28 yard punt that was pretty abysmal uh but he did get one inside the 20 naheem hines only returned one punt for six yards had two fair catch catches like i think it's bad obviously when you're talking about like oh pretty positive punting performance from the patriots when there was also a what 28 29 yard punt thrown in the mix there but uh yeah i mean that the opening kick return was so bad, you almost would have thought that like Bill Belichick had, had agreed, like, all right, right, let's give them like a, a great moment off the top here. Right. It, was, it was just like that bad. I was like, well, how the hell did that happen? And then the second one, I don't know if you got this, but I and this is not a Miles Bryant podcast. I'm a big oh, boy. University of Washington Huskies oh, fan. Boy. Miles Bryant, former dog, DBU. Mm. He just got steamrolled by Naheem Hines, and Naheem Hines is not a particularly big man when it comes to NFL players and like Miles Bryant when you're a undersized slow defensive back who also plays on special teams like you need to be able to tackle the ball carrier and he failed to do that on that play yeah um maybe being cast in the off in the defensive role that he was in led to I don't know fatigue distraction whatever all right it's kickoff I gotta take a mental break on this one I don't know because that second one was so big. The Patriots had just gone up 17-14. Yeah. They were building something, and it just went kaput there. So that that's like – it's almost unfathomable. And, and the, the Vikings won uh, – was it Kine Nwangu? Uh, he returned one last year for a touchdown. So it was one of those things 
where if you want to talk about the Patriots this year, the, the key difference is just like this degradation of coaching from what we grew accustomed to over the years. Um, the whole coaching staff being, you know, attention to details, being every little thing. The Patriots would be the team having three kick return touchdowns, not giving right. up three kick return touchdowns. And, like, I bring up the Minnesota one because it's like, well, you know he's taken one back last year. You've got to be careful of him doing it again, especially when you don't have a kicker who can get the ball in the end zone, which, Doug, it's kind of ridiculous, the kickoff situation with the Patriots. And we know Jake Bailey got hurt. That was like three months ago. And their solution, they called up Tristan Viscaino for a while. He couldn't kick it through the end zone either. Like, if they have the second worst touchdown touchback percentage in the league going into this game, and... If you have a fast guy like Naheem Hines, and we heard the Patriots talk about it last time they played the Bills, how aware they were of his speed. Maybe they were, uh, weren't so hot on it this week, but they weren't the team that gave up those plays forever. They were the team that capitalized on them. So it's bad, and and you know Joe Judge does help with the special teams. We hear it when players and coaches talk. Like Joe is involved, so it's it's. I mean, that's something he's actually good at. Um, Joe Judge, that is. So to see the special teams really fail them and really lose them this game. I can't say it's shocking given what we've seen for the year and beyond, but still in the scope, wider scope of the Patriots under Bill Belichick, it is shocking. It is. And this is a situation where obviously, like I said, we'll get into this a little bit later with the suspensions and everything like this, but there's a pretty solid chance one way or the other, that Jake Bailey will not be back with the Patriots next season based on the suspension, based on the fact that the suspension might void his guarantees. That makes him easier to release. And he was release. bad for two years. He has been bad for two years. Um, he's making a crap ton of money. That's, I think, an, an official figure. The amount on yes. his contract is a crap ton. So, like, I don't know. Even this season, I'm going to say Michael Pilardi is not the answer at punter for the Patriots in 2023 and beyond. And I think that one way or the other... Bill Belichick probably could have figured, all right, Jake Bailey might not be our punter next year. Like, just try to find someone who might even be able to compete for that job at some point this season. They went about halfway through the season with Michael Pilardi as their punter, not being able to kick off. Um, and I don't know. It's I can't get, like, too fired up about special teams for a second week in a row today, here, though. But you, you kind of do because, yeah, like, how is it impossible to find a human being on Earth who can punt the ball and then also kick the ball on a kickoff out of the end zone. If it is, like, hand up, I'm wrong. But I feel like that's not something that's impossible to find on planet Earth right now. Am, it I, reminds am me, I incorrect? It reminds me of, like, my high school. It was a small Catholic school. We had, like, 750, 800 students. Our kicking was bad. You know, we struggled mm-hmm. to, to have, like, a reliable kicker. Uh, from the from the talent pool within our small Catholic school, mm-hmm. it was you know there was boys and girls, so you're cutting it in half there. Yep. Um, there's about 350 possible kickers, and and no one could really do it. Um, but that's what this feels like. It feels like little high school stuff when you can't have a kicker in the NFL. And like we understand what Nick Folk, it's a power thing. Like his his range is 50 yards as a field goal. He can't kick the ball through the back of the end zone on a kickoff. Right. Yeah, we understood that when Jake Bailey handled kickoff duties for the past two years. Yeah. So I, it is, you said like, oh, you feel weird like talking about it in this situation, but how's today's game look if both of those kicks go through the back of the end zone? You don't know. Granted, uh, I did have a joke tweet like, 
you can't get shred or torn up by Josh Allen if you never let him have the ball, which it's fair. You know, like maybe maybe they score on those anyway. I don't know, but uh, it, it's it's definitely been an issue that is worth addressing. And then in this situation, you have to because it really just. <sighs> I don't, we don't know what the game would have been like if they could have just had a guy kick the ball through the back of the end zone. I if <laughs> this is like probably the silliest question I've ever posed on this podcast, given the circumstances and given like quite honestly, I've I've covered the Patriots since like like going back to blog days since like 2010, 2011, something like that. I've paid so little mind to special teams because it wasn't ever an issue. It was almost boring how good the Patriots were on special teams. Yes. <laughs> if Brendan Schooler plays in this game, like are 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 either one of those kickoffs t- touchdowns? That's probably not like a question that you can answer. I'm assuming, but like, no, I, no, I there's can't. kind of a chance, right? That Brendan Schooler's yeah. injury was like massive for the Patriots in this game. Uh there's a chance. Uh, kickoffs difficult. I, I don't. I don't know exactly where Schooler lines up on the kickoff. I don't either. He's like on the outside. No, nope. he's like a main guy inside. I'm really not sure. Nope. So shame on me. He's out not, there though. I know not that running the all 22 on the kickoff team, but. He has been good on special teams. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, maybe significant. Um, I don't know. I'd have to rewatch. I know, like, Twitter was saying Calvin Munson was held on the first one. It's like, come on. You can't really. Well, nit, oh, that, nits that is another Calvin thing to Munson talk about, hold. though. No, it, it, certainly not on a Calvin Munson hold. But the fact that there was zero penalties, what, through Until the first the three quarter. quarters of the game. Yeah. And then the, the, the referees were like, all right, now we got to call so many flags that we're going to make this worth it. And I don't know if there was like anything incredibly egregious that went against the Patriots as far as like actual flags called. I think that there was actually some bad penalties, maybe even called on the Bills. But there were plays in the first three quarters that potentially could have been called against the Bills. Uh, like one holding. absolutely like the offsides. Yeah, was yeah. like I I genuinely have no idea what the referees or the officials are even looking at in that play because like offsides is a pretty easy penalty to call usually pretty easy yeah no and i have a problem uh with like blatantly bad officiating i'll be watching like a sunday night game and and see a guy just lined up offside and no call being made and i'll tweet it and everyone will be like stop crying and it's like well i'm not actually like a i'm not a bengals fan uh i just hate when they miss blatant calls like offside uh, so that was definitely one of them. There was some holding that could, but then it's just like players adapt to the game being called. Right. So when yeah. it's like holding and in like hand fighting downfield and it's not being called, they can adapt. But you really can't adapt to a guy being an offside. That's good. And, and I thought that the pass interference Matt Milano committed on Damian Harris in the end zone was just like, I mean, that's textbook underthrown right. ball with a linebacker with his back to the to the quarterback, and he gets his hands in his face and hits him and. Like, Tony Romo was working his way through that one. He's like, well, there's no face guarding unless there's contact. And as he said that, Milano's hand on the replay was like, whoa. <laughs> and it was like, you got to call P.I. in the end zone. You can't, like, just let that one slip. So it was definitely a weird game officiating-wise. Yeah. But um, outside I, I of the Harris one. I don't love the whole, like, let's blame the but, officiating thing. I've never sorry, been that guy. Hunter but, Henry, the OPI, was pretty big. That was yep. kind of like the defender engaged with him, and then Hunt, Henry ended up breaking it off. Yeah, that one uh, was weird strange one. to me. And like the the Milano call in the end zone, it, it was pass interference. I guess that like if you're going to let them play all game, I can understand being like, all right, we're gonna let that fly. And maybe like I saw some people 
saying that Tredavious White possibly could have been called for pass interference on the Aguilar uh, interception as well. That's another one where it's like, all right, well, if you're just not going to call penalties, then like maybe you can let both those fly. But then if you're going to call offensive pass interference on Hunter yeah. Henry and yeah, if you're not going to call, I don't know. The, the offsides one was the craziest one to me. And I don't know, certainly did seem like at least for three quarters, they were just letting the guys play. And I guess you can't blame them that much for that, but then you can't turn things around in the fourth quarter and start calling penalties. That's just not a decent way about going through officiating. Um, yeah. I want to talk about some positives from this game. Not that Do necessarily it. they matter since it's week 18 and the season's over, but uh, Devin McCourty made plays out there today. Had a touchdown-saving uh, pass breakup, recovered a fumble, had the interception, which I would usually say, like, what an easy interception. Josh Allen threw the ball straight to him, but there's mm-hmm. also been plays this season where quarterbacks mm-hmm. have thrown the ball straight to Devin McCourty and he hasn't caught them. True. So I do just want to give credit to Dev- Devin McCourty if that was the last game of his Patriots career. Certainly ended on a high note. I agree. Um, I wonder if that, like, it was a pretty, you know, emotional scene for Slater and McCourty after the game, uh, toward the end of the game. Um, if the, Maybe that's a silver lining to the Patriots not making the playoffs is, like, they don't have to go to Buffalo or Cincinnati next week or right. get completely smashed uh, in a playoff game. At least it was more of a natural ending. But, no, I thought McCourty was, was very good. Uh, he had the, the pass breakup in the end zone. Did you mention that? I'm sorry if you did. Yes. Yep. Um, I uh, I was thinking about it, but so you might have said it at the same time. Um, but no, I, I I was brought back. Remember in 2018, he had a pick six and he reached 22.05 miles yes. an hour. At the time, the fastest guy in the league. I think someone passed him that year. But um, I said that on the on the interception, like man, if he still had the 22 mile an hour gear, that might have been a pick six, and then that would have been the defensive score the Patriots needed to to beat a good team. But um, good play, uh, good career, Patriots Hall of Famer. Like you said, a, a good way to go out if that is it. But I think at the same time, it's like he, he showed he can still play safety. Like, yeah. there's there's little doubt about that. His brother retired two years ago. He played corner. Like, there's there's a lot. You can last a lot longer in that back end. It's just a matter of does he want to. Right. And I think he's earned the right at the age of 35, 36, having spent every waking moment of his life as a football player since he was probably 15 years old, to say, like, I- I'm good. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does make that call. It also complicates things a little bit that he already counts, I think, like like $9 million, something like that, against the salary cap for the Patriots next year. So if he came back, I think they could lighten that a little bit maybe. But like, like if you're already counting that much against the cap, even if you come back at like a, I don't know, you know, veteran minimum, which he would never play for, I don't think. Like it's still, he'd still be counting a lot against the salary cap for the Patriots. So we'll see how they handle that. I think that he can still certainly play football, like you were saying. And uh, even on that interception, I thought that he did show actually like a second gear, even when he started to kind of yeah. turn up field. They were always like, ooh, this yeah. this might go. But then there was just basically too many guys in the way. Uh, all else to say that Devontae Parker, I'm going to be overreacting to this a little bit. But oh. like I was, I was ready to ship Devontae Parker out of town like two weeks ago. And I feel like... In this game alone, he kind of showed enough where it's like, obviously the likely scenario was that he was going to be back next year anyway, but I think he showed like a, a very good reason to stick around in this game. He is really? a he's a different type of player, uh, big body wide receiver, box guys out. I just wish he had done it for 17 games this season rather than showing it in spurts, but 
I don't know. Yeah, good game for Devontae Parker. Yeah, no, I I don't necessarily agree with that. Um, I, I just think it hasn't been consistent enough. And again, it goes into like, all right, well, how much is it the system? How much is it the play calling? Right. How much is it the coaching? I, I guess I don't know. But when he has made plays, he certainly looked good okay. uh, with two touchdowns. They had one touchdown all year coming into it. He had that big game against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that, week three? Yeah. Am I right? And so. it was kind of like, okay, this could happen. Right. And then there really wasn't a whole lot of consistency after that. But I had a positive. Um, I thought this was a huge moment back when the Patriots were still competitive in the game. After Mac Jones threw the pick, um, first and 10 from like the three or four yard line the Bills had. And Singletary got a handoff and had room to run. And Judon chased him down from behind and grabbed him by the ankle and, and kind of took him down from behind for a five yard gain. And then the next play, he did the same thing as Jonathan Jones punched the ball loose and McCourty recovered it. So I thought that was like, for for all of the sacks and the attention, like we talked about it on this podcast, he had the run stuff against Arizona that I thought was a game-winning mm-hmm. play. And he had this play where it's just sort of like, all right, it goes in the books as a tackle. I think he was, he was huge there. So as much as he didn't, you know, finish his season with the sacks and everything, there was concern going into the year about his fatigue, about whether I, – I thought he finished – fairly well all things considered and the attention that he gets and all of that i thought some more positives thought matt patricia at least in the first half uh had some better play calling mm-hmm. i don't think that that matters in the long term i think they still need to clearly let me cut in real quick pass uh, where do you where do you stand on the play mac caller? jones power run in the in the red zone because <laughs> i loved it even though it was probably the dumbest play call i've ever seen in my life i I don't know how many yards Mac Jones would have picked up if he had like actually hit the hole rather than just kind of like <laughs> stumbling around back there to begin with. But I think that 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 also comes with the Mac Jones run. Like it's not going to be clean. He's not going to yeah. hit the hole hard. Uh, so I thought it was uh, like you need some comic relief. I think in like a yeah. movie and a TV show uh, and like even a drama. And I think you need a football game as well. So I actually kind of appreciated that Matt Patricia gave us a chance to laugh there early in the game. Fair and some uh, levity. I, yes, I agree. Um, he got four yards on it, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. I really liked the next red zone trip when they had Marcus Jones as the decoy, sort yep. of in like a dummy motion of the backfield, back to the right flat. The Bills, that's all he looked at. Yep. Uh, because you might remember his his play against them on the Thursday night game was the lone highlight uh, for the Patriots offensively. So I thought that was really cool. They ran sort of like a like two crossers, a shallow and a little bit deeper with Myers, because Myers is obviously going to draw a bunch of attention too. Yep. And that sprung Parker wide open. I thought that was a really good play. And you're kind of like, it's like for every positive this season, you're kind of just like, well, where the hell has it been? Like, like why That's can't the they thing. do it more often? It's like, it's not, pardon the pun or whatever. It's not rocket science. It's, it's basic football concepts that aren't employed often enough. And when they work, it's like, there it is. Like, do that more. And I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's like every positive has been met with sort of, confusion or frustration this year i deleted a tweet um Uh i didn't i didn't tweet it out i had it all typed out had it all typed out was ready to fire it off gave it a split second then mac jones threw an interception so Mm. hit the command a delete it's gone but I, i i was about to tweet the same thing right before that interception of like why didn't the patriots just do this all season like why right. didn't they? Why yeah. didn't they use more play action? Why didn't they get more creative? Oh, the play action, Doug. Oh why my didn't God. they? Like, why wasn't this with their offense in the first? You know, in that first half, why isn't that what they were? And also going for it on fourth and one. I think that that's yeah. what actually made me think. Like, 
I'm going to tweet this out. I'm going to get so many likes. I'm going to be the most popular person on the internet. They went for it on fourth and one. They were aggressive. Then Mac Jones threw, threw an interception. But like, even that's like, all right, yeah, clearly you're going for it on fourth and one because this is a must-win game. If you lose the game, you're out of the playoffs. Like, yeah, guys, every game was a must-win game. Like, you can't just enter Week 18 and be like, all right, this is the one that we're going to try. This is the one that we're going to start using play action and get aggressive on fourth down. Like, where was that for the first 17 weeks of the season? Mm-hmm. And um, while you're on that, you know, I don't know if it was last episode, whatever, one before that, we talked about how the uh, the Chicago Bears uh, hadn't won a game since uh, mm-hmm. being the Patriots. Mm-hmm. That is your number one overall pick owning Chicago Bears. So you talk about urgency and why right. not, you know, play hard. I think that game is going to stand out as a big one um, in terms of missed opportunities. But it's true, like, the play action showing up so much early was almost mind-boggling because it's been there all year. Yeah. It's, it's again, a basic football concept. And it, and it did it helped the offense become much more functional than it would have been otherwise. So just, you're right. There was, but the, then the fact that it all kind of came crashing down in the second half, right. where they had seven possessions, um, a touchdown, a field goal, two interceptions, and two punts or three punts, like whatever it was, uh, that, that certainly fizzled. So I, I still think the big concern from Patriots fans, right, was if they made the playoffs. Bill would bring back the same staff next year. I don't think that was ever on the table. I think when you enter week 18, 27th and third down, 30th and fourth down, 32nd in red zone, 31st in goal to goal, like it doesn't matter if you make the playoffs off that or not. Right. You can't take that into next year. Uh, so maybe if there's some sort of exclamation point on that, you miss the playoffs. But um, remember last year, Robert Kraft said, you know, sometimes people think people do things strange ways, but uh, he's earned the right or whatever. I don't know his yeah. language to, yeah. to run it as he sees fit. And Jonathan Kraft reiterated that in October that Bill has earned the right to run the staff the way that he sees fit. I think that has to change. Right. I think there has to be when you say ownership stepping in, it has to be like, well, Bill, you said blame you. So here we are. It didn't work. We want to be good. Explain why this was right in your mind and what you're going to do to fix it. Like, I think that is the number one change that has to happen this offseason. I agree. Uh, one more positive before I get deeper into that. Jacoby Myers, that was quite mm. a catch they made. And what I was confused. I was confused that Tony Romo, Tony Romo talks a lot on the broadcast. I know that you've you said, so? I know that you've said that you're pretty good at like at tuning out announcers. Sometimes Usually. Tony, sometimes Tony Romo says things that don't really make sense just because I think he like, he feels like he needs to just, keep talking at times uh but i i was just so confused after that catch by jacoby myers why it wasn't like all right that's a touchdown because yeah he scored a touchdown his his foot like like pebbles or the little pellets like kicked up like clearly he got a touchdown that play i thought it was strange that there was like any question whatsoever about that yeah there was one shot in particular i think it was like on the field level and you could see the pellets right right, well when they went to commercials i was shocked yeah it was it should have been like a, a quick Right. Confirmation. Like New York. Think, yeah. Yeah. And I, I explained I'm a huge baby with officials, you know, league wide. Heck of a call by the officials on the field to call that because live, it did not look like a catch right. at all. It, it, if you saw his right foot tap in real live motion, you're a heck of an official. So credit to those people on the back That's end. Right. I wish I wrote their names down, but I don't really care that much. They are officials. They don't need like a, a praise. But you're right. That was um, for a guy 
five weeks ago, whatever it was, four weeks ago, that threw a game away. Right. I thought he had a great ending to his season entering mm-hmm. free agency. Um, and not just that, he was concussed in the yep. Bills game. Uh, mm-hmm. DeMar Hamlin, uh, coincidentally, was remember he delivered that hit, got kicked out. Um, and so it was really looking dicey for Myers free agent-wise, market-wise. But I think he did a lot in these last few weeks to uh, secure the bag, as the kids say. Do you bring uh, so him good back? Good for him. Do you bring him back? A hundred percent. I just think, given the cost, though, we'll see what the cost is. But like, good players cost money, and it's like yeah. Aguilar's money's off the books, right. so there's there's going to be some wiggle room. They'll figure it out. I'm not worried about the Patriots and their money and their spending. We'll probably get into this when we do the the um, suspensions. But they're just they're trimming the budget left right. and right with Jack Jones and and uh, punter <laughs> suspensions for two weeks <laughs> at the end of the year. So they'll be swimming. They'll be flush with cash come next year. I, I wonder if he's back. I, I would bring him back because, like, if you enter next season with Kendrick Bourne, Devontae Parker, and Tyquan Thornton as your wide receivers and, like, and you can't upgrade that position, then you're kind of skunked, I feel like. There's there's no skunked. dependable, every week, uh, consistent yeah. option, as we mentioned before. And I wonder if Kendrick Bourne's back. I think you bring back Devontae Parker just because he doesn't cost very much money for a starting caliber wide receiver. Uh, the Bourne situation just so bizarre that I don't know what's on the table for that one. But yeah, I mean, even if Jacoby Myers costs $10, 15000000 million a year, I think you at least have to consider it based on how good he's been every single year for the Patriots. Uh, but um, tomorrow, tomorrow is, what do they call it, Black Monday in the NFL? I guess so. I call it trash bag day. Trash bag Big day. Trash bags. Dump the dump the locker and see you next year. Um, obviously there's gonna be head coaches fired around the NFL tomorrow. Uh, there might be like coordinators fired, things like that. Do you think that we hear any news tomorrow no. about no. the Patriots about any sweeping changes? Like, do they hire Bill so. O'Brien tomorrow? Do they fire anyone oh. tomorrow? Hire, I mean, Bill O'Brien, and if you listen to Albert Breer, it seems like there's kind of a hot market for Bill O'Brien, um, which would seem to put the urgency on the Patriots to do something. Yeah. My stance on that is that you need a lot more than Bill O'Brien, which is to say you need Bill O'Brien, and I might have said this on this podcast before, you need Bill O'Brien to come in with the, the leeway or reign, whatever you want to call it, to be the leader of the offense, and that means right. hiring his own staff. Hiring an offensive line coach, hiring whatever coaches he needs, especially if Nick Cayley is leaving, which it sounds right. like he might. Um, you need an entire offensive coaching staff, an right. offensive line coach, a quarterbacks coach, unless O'Brien does that. Like There has to be not just O'Brien, but a whole thing. And, and it has to be – I don't think that's going to get solved like tonight between you know the Crafts and Belichick and whatever it may be. But um, that, I would say, a hiring – I wouldn't expect any like moves – uh, coming off the staff in a day. I don't think like they're going to announce Matt Patricia's going right. back to the front office or something. I know that's like sort of the fan fiction version of how it plays out tomorrow, but uh, given the way the Patriots operate, I would think that's all going to be behind closed doors. Think about last year. It wasn't until like, I mean, they still haven't said Matt Patricia's calling the plays on offense <laughs> and the season's over. So uh, in terms of, well, like, he's no longer calling the plays then. So the, at this point, there's no point. Yeah. So it was like all spring and all summer. Remember oh, yeah. the preseason, Bill was like smiling, like we have a system or whatever he said. Um, so, yeah, we won't get much info. Real on cute. Um, no, I agree with that. I don't think we really hear anything tomorrow. But I would say that um, this is a, a negative. I'm going to 
spinning to a positive right now for the Patriots. Their offensive staff is so bad beyond Nick Cayley, I think. That yeah. and even with I like I like Nick Cayley. I think that he probably would have been the better choice to be offensive uh play caller. Maybe. But let's 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 like let's evaluate the tight end position since the Patriots brought in Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. Bad. Like I would say as a whole, they paid a lot of money for two guys who have ultimately underperformed for two seasons now. So like I said, I like Nick Cayley. I think that in an ideal world, he is back next season doing something for the Patriots. But as a whole, the offensive staff has been so bad that I don't think you really need to worry about like, all right, well, Bill O'Brien's going to come in and clear house and then you're going to lose so-and-so because of this reason. It's just like, no, yeah, fine. Like bring in an entirely new staff. Let him bring in the guys that were working for him with the Texans. Let him bring in guys who were at Alabama. Quite honestly, like, Patriots fans shouldn't really care who he brings in because I do think that the alternatives are better than who has been in place so far this season. And like, I don't know. I mean, what's been the best performing position group for the Patriots so far this season? I, I was thinking that. So like I have a bias. Running back? Uh, maybe, but that seems more individual than it is. Like, yeah. Like, Ramondre Stevens, Stevenson is right. awesome. Um, I have a bias toward Troy Brown just because I think he's really cool. Yeah. Um, and he's jacked out of his mind at like 50. Like, I think that's pretty sweet. Um, but the receivers, I don't look at the receivers as like underperforming or, or screwing up a lot. Like, I, I feel like they, they as a group, were pretty good uh, like when they had the chances to make the play. So I guess maybe that's my bias showing through. But the offensive line was, was poor. The quarterback mm-hmm. play was poor. The tight end play was poor in terms of production. Uh, the, the running backs were good. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson was good. Right. Damian Harris. I don't know what his free agent market look like. Looks yeah. like if there is one. Um, but you know what? I was. I brought up the the coaches while you were talking, um, and I was listening. I don't want to say like sometimes I miss it, but this I wasn't. Remember at one point, I don't know if it was the summer or the fall, but Evan Rothstein uh, came up as someone like who's heavily involved in the offense. That being sort of the data guy that Patricia brought with him from Detroit. Uh, he was in a research and analysis coaching role. Whatever his input was, stop that. Like, if he was a heavily involved in the game planning, in the schematics, in the X's and O's with Matt Patricia, like, that's got to stop too because that was one of the toughest offenses we've seen watched from week one to week 18. Like, anyone involved in that part of the process, it's got to be done. I think... I don't want to say too much about this because I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say. But Say I, it all, Doug. I do think that there's – you know how, like, like when Ernie Adams was working with Bill in Cleveland and, people, and like, who was it? Art Modell said that he, like, gave anyone a million dollars or a hundred thousand or whatever it was, like, if they told him what Ernie Adams did. Yeah. I think there's some of that in, in Foxborough right now about, about uh, Evan Rothstein. I think there's, like – there's an element okay. there. Of like, well, it didn't work. No, and I agree. I I don't think that um, I don't think we should like necessarily give Evan Rothstein credit for how Bailey Zappi played so far this season, even though we saw him working with him during the summer. Um, and I think that yeah, I mean, Matt, Patricia brought him over from Detroit, and I think that a lot of the challenges that the Patriots didn't make and the fourth down situations and the timeouts i think a lot of that 
needs work uh, for the Patriots moving forward. So I'm not sure who fills that role, but maybe uh, Bill O'Brien brings in their own guy. Maybe maybe Nick Casario really does get fired by the Texans and he can come back uh, to to be the, yeah. the latest guy to, to rejoin the Patriots. Even though I, I don't think... I don't know. I mean, we don't need to get into that. But, like, if Nick Casario gets fired, that's just a wild decision by the Texans. Yeah, I mean, the Texans are awful. Can we, like, I was obviously preoccupied with the Patriots. The Texans scored at the end of the game and went for two (laughs) to lose the number one pick overall? Like, you've got to be kidding. I don't don't know, like, go for two and throw it out the back of the end zone the way that the Patriots did against, who was it? The drop kick game. Remember Matt Castle played and just there was a two point conversion and yeah. he threw it into about the 80th row because the Patriots wanted to set up their playoff date with like Pittsburgh instead of India or whatever it was. So here's the deal. Yeah. Um, you probably shouldn't let it leak before week 18 that you're probably going to fire head coach. Good point. Uh, and the because, GM. And the GM, because I don't think that there's going to be a lot of incentive for the head coach to improve your draft pick. Uh, in that final game, I think uh, you're probably the head coach at that point is probably coaching for his job or for a future job, or, or just even rile up just the boys. saying, like, "Let's go." F you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, riling up the boys, or saying, "F you." If you're gonna fire me anyway, then sorry, you're not gonna get Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or whoever it is that you want to get, and yeah. we're gonna go out there and win this game. Uh, so yeah. that was probably a bad decision to allow that to get out there immediately before this game good point by you um yeah. i would be remiss if i didn't thank my primary sponsor Polar seltzer uh, for also, once again get me through the podcast also go to thrivefantasy.com and put in promo code doug and also if you're listening to this podcast right now either live or on the podcast app of your choosing i know that you are listening to this because there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast well doug, you, no one no one can hear you if they're not listening that's a good point too. Well, I at least I'm not speaking out into the ether. Uh, right. But if you are, and I'm speaking to you personally, you should go to the podcast app of your choosing and give us a good review. Give us five stars. Put Ooh. even write a review. Say like, "Hey, Doug told me to write this review." That's as easy as it gets. That's all you need to do. I don't know what it does for us, but I think that when we go into the app and we see that we've got a new review, at least it gives us a little bit of excitement. I agree. Um mostly five star but if it's four star i think we can live with that because it's like you know there's room for improvement i'm always a big room for improvement guy i don't know about you don't don't let don't let mike talk you into four star we have a we have a 4.8 rating right now with 23 ratings so it's true um i think that means we've got i think we did get a one star a bunch of fives and one one i I would assume that that means yeah you know and that's gonna happen i don't know if you saw my tweet uh someone had a good uh little response to me tonight i just want to read it Mm-hmm. A fella said, you're a disease, fungal infection, cancer. I have zero respect for you. I thought it was a strong reaction to a news story about Bill Belichick saying words at the podium. But, you know, to each his own, it's an emotional time. Uh, I hope everyone writes a review except for that guy because it, be, it would be bad. I don't want to bring you down with me, Doug. Yeah, no, I'm sure that there's a few people out there who feel the same way about me. But uh, we won't let them drag us down. Do you want to do the suspension talk now? I was just going to say that. Up? I think we got to talk um, about suspensions. Um, yeah, so pretty on, weird. I, yeah, so sorry to interrupt you. Um, I interrupted you. We were interrupting each other. I know that this is the way that Bill Belichick is always going to address these situations, and I know that for the working media who are there in Buffalo, there was nothing more that they could have possibly done. Like, 
anything more they would have asked Bill Belichick about the Jake Bailey suspension would not have got them any further. But there's also a part of me that's like, let's turn the entire 15-minute press conference after the game into like trying to get Bill Belichick to explain what the hell he means when talking about the Jake Bailey suspension because he added no clarity whatsoever and really only complicated matters further. And I would actually even go further back. And I've given Bill Belichick credit in the past for not being a known liar like Cliff Kingsbury is. And I'm not, I'm not going to say Bill Belichick's a liar. I think that's strong. But when he comes out during the week and says that Jake Bailey's like injured reserve timeline has been used up, even though everyone can do math on their own and knows that Jake Bailey still has a week left to go on that and like blames that for Jake Bailey not being activated rather than a suspension that we are going to find out about later in the week. I think you're using more than half truths or less than half truths at that point. I I just, I don't think that there's a reason to get into misinformation when it comes to talking to the media. I think that you can, you don't need to be direct, but I don't think that you need to necessarily give misinformation in those situations. It's also like the statement from Bailey's agent was pretty direct and pretty clear. The agent, I mean, we don't have to read the whole thing. Not that it was long. He was hoping to come off IR to play last weekend, which was the, the Dolphins game, week 17. But Jake was informed he was being suspended these last two games. This comes as a surprise given his full participation during injury reserve. We have filed a grievance. And you're right. To your point, when Bill said it's like his window expired, he had already suspended them because right. they had been informed prior to week 17. And, man, like this isn't Rob Gronkowski and – family disagreements over major injuries for a guy that's had 10 surgeries. It's the punter with a back injury who, according to his agent and, you know, agents don't always tell the truth. You want to get into truth telling, but if his agent saying he, he wanted to play and was able to play and the Patriots not only disagree with that, but suspended him. Like it is a very weird story. You don't hear of teams suspending guys at the end of the year that are on IR especially punters like it's it's a very bizarre unique situation so you're right like they probably couldn't have gotten anyone i thought it actually went on like twice as long as i would have expected yeah um basically you know mike reese and phil perry so credit to them for asking right. the questions um i don't know it, it, <laughs> if it weren't for two kick returns maybe we don't focus on it as much maybe it's just sort of less uh less prominent after a season-ending loss yeah. But given the way that it happened, it it does feel a little bit um, significant. Yeah. And so I think it was Mike Reese who initially reported that what Bailey was suspended for like a disagreement over his return to play, something like that. So I can understand that at that point, the agent coming out and being like, well, he wanted to play because otherwise I think a lot of people might read that as being like, he didn't want to play. The Patriots wanted him to go back out there. So, I mean, we have to take that at face value because like the Patriots haven't released a statement on this. So all we know is that like his agent is saying that Jake Bailey wanted to play. I don't know what at that point would spur a suspension. Like maybe he was too vocal about wanting to come back to play. Um, I, I like who was it reported? I, I think know. it was Breer reported that Jack Jones was late to um, like uh, his injury rehab like whatever it was so like we know a little bit more about that one but i don't know it just seemed a little bit sketchy to me that's all i'm gonna say 
is that yeah. like like Jake Bailey, his contract is an albatross. He's been bad for two seasons. He's injured. His contract is guaranteed next season. You can't like if you cut him, it comes with a lot of dead cap, and then all of a sudden he gets suspended, whatever it is, two weeks before the season ends. Like I don't know. It just kind of raises some red flags about whether or not. And it's also like what, what I tweeted at the time when this came out, like I have never seen this designation before of someone getting moved from injured reserve to suspended reserve. And in the past, I think when the Patriots have suspended players with like team issued suspensions, I remember it was Alan branch years ago. Maybe that was because it was during the summer, but like you don't usually seen this announced in this manner on the NFL transaction wire. So I can't recall this ever happening before. And then all of a sudden, in a year where you'd love to get out of Jake Bailey's contract, one in a million situation where he gets suspended by the team. It's just a little weird to me. I don't know. There was a scene in the film Goodwill Hunting um, when Ben Affleck's character um, pretends to be Matt Damon's character in a job interview <laughs> and stands up and says, let me tell you something. You suspect. And that is what is like the short version of what you just said. And I do agree. It's weird. I'd love to know more. Will we know more? Maybe because it's a new era in Patriots land. Like stuff does get out. Uh, they don't win the Super Bowl every year. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's let's see what happens. But you're right. There is some suspicion to it with Jack Jones. Uh, I don't know. He got hurt against Arizona right. and said that night it was no big deal, which led you to believe like, all right, he didn't tear his ACL or anything. So what happened there? Like, he, he made it seem like he was going to play the next week in Vegas, and we never saw him again. And that's – I mean, it is kind of significant. I don't mean – it is significant because the whole purpose of this year, if you weren't going to make the playoffs, right. was to have a hell of a rookie class to build off of and yep. go moving forward. And I always say this, like, you know, teams can disagree, like coaching, whatever. But when you take someone's paychecks away – Right, you got problems like in yeah. any industry. When you take someone's paychecks away, maybe you were justified in it. I don't. We don't know the details, but that person's never going to forget it. Yeah, and I. It seems like that situation might not rise to the level of the Jake Bailey suspension, where like they did file a grievance, and this could get maybe potentially messy between the Patriots and Jake Bailey. I don't necessarily see that happening, uh, based on what I know on the Jack Jones situation. But I don't know, like, have guys been late to rehab appointments in the past and not gotten suspended? Like, probably, right? I don't think that usually rises to the level of suspension unless, and if that has never happened before, then I almost feel like that speaks to, I don't know, the state of the locker room. I know I kind of usually hate that, that like, speculation or, or sentence, but, like, I don't know, like, if if no one's ever been late to a rehab appointment before mm. and Jack Jones is in and gets suspended for it, like, I don't know, then that means that something's different, right? Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, we always point to the, what was it, 09, the, the four guys that were late on the snow day. They right. were sent home from practice. Like, yeah. that was the punishment there. Wes we suspended. The foot, <laughs> no team issued right. suspensions. Wes Welker with the foot jokes was benched for a series right. uh, offensively, but was back there. Remember, he was back there to return the first punt. I was like, well, that's a heck of a punishment there. Yeah. Um, I think when Matt Patricia saw that, he'd be like, wait, we could have just suspended guys if they were late for a meeting? Like, what the hell? <laughs> Bourne would have played none at all. Like, we could have taken his money away. So, no, I, I don't know what it's all about. It is weird. Is it, like, the number one thing? wrong with the Patriots I guess not but it's still such a weird thing that I'd love some clarity all around and you seem to indicate 
you know some things about the Jack Jones situation. So is that just going to be what it is? And there's we're not going to hear from that one again? Because that yeah, is I, weird. I doubt it. I doubt we hear about that again. I think, like, I'd, I'd say that at this point, the expectation is, like, he'll be back next season. Like, just hope that, you know, maybe he's a little bit more, um, I don't know, responsible when it comes to those types of things. But who knows? Like, he clearly thought he was okay. Um, so maybe he didn't think that rehab was necessary i don't know that's that's me purely speculating but no it sounds like i don't think there's gonna be a messy situation there that that's all, right. all i and really know about that but yeah doug hendrickson who is uh jake bailey's yeah. agent like he's not uh what's his face there rosenhouse karate karate yeah he's not true rosenhouse but he's got some notable clients max he's a prominent Crosby, agent jordan yeah, yeah 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 so it's like you always see the patriots smooth things over with like rosenhouse clients like when they traded rob gronkowski to tampa Right. You could kind of understand it was so that they could continue doing good business with Drew Rosenhaus. I, I feel like Hendrickson might be in that in that category where, you know, you don't want to go to war over the punter's salary uh, for whatever this is. So I don't know. They got a lot to figure out there. But this is yeah. a lot of special team stock we've done in the past two weeks. But well, but it is it's interesting. Been, it's been like- relevant. Yeah, and that news dropped on, what, Friday evening or whatever it was. So, like, there wasn't a whole lot of time for people to talk about it. And it was just, like, such a bizarre situation that came out of nowhere that had everyone kind of scrambling to to find some answers there. But um, one other thing I'd say, and, like, I certainly don't think that Bill's, like, losing the locker. Like, I have no idea. I simply have no idea whether or not Bill is losing the locker room. I don't think he has. No, you have just listen to what the players say about him. Right. And what they have said. Like, he still garners respect in there. But I will say that, like, if McCordy and Slater either retire or are gone next season, like, how many guys are left in the locker room who won any Super Bowls for the Patriots at that point? Like, I, I, I do think... Obviously, like, you've still got David Andrews in there, and who else? Like, I, oh, I, I don't know. Oh, Super Bowl winners. Uh, Lawrence Guy won a Super Bowl. Uh, Jonathan Jones won two. Yeah, Jonathan Jones is a free agent. Oh, oh, you're saying going forward. Like, going okay. forward. I just, like, it It could very well, like, be a com- almost a completely turned over team yeah. from 2018 next season. And I think that yeah. at that point, when you've got younger guys and you don't have the, the guys who have won – three Super Bowls saying like, no, don't worry. Like this has always worked. Like this is the way that we do right. things. It's, it's a known process. Like this is how we won Super Bowls. Like if you don't have those guys in the building on offense and defense and on special teams, I don't know. I think that like at that point, there is the possibility that there could be more questions asked about the methods that people are using. I, I don't know. Like yeah. it's, it's a question for another day, I think, but it is a little bit concerning. I'd say. Yeah. And just to follow, Dietrich Wise won a Super Bowl in 2018. Yep. Uh, Jawan Bentley was a rookie, an injured rookie in 2018. Right. I don't know if that counts. Um, but, yeah, that's – that's. I mean, like if Slater and McCourty go, I think that's the biggest thing yeah. that you lose is the tie back to six Super Bowls. Yes. Like right. they, they came in so long ago that they played with guys that won the first one and not just right. Tom Brady. Well, actually probably mostly Tom Brady by 2008. But um, – you get the, but it's also like if, if Gerard Mayo leaves too, that's another yes. tie yeah. that that you lose there. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's 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 only natural. Like things can't last forever. But it is. Um, I remember one of the Super Bowls. I think it was the Falcons one, fifty-one. I was on the flight there and I was doing some homework because I was young and ambitious. Now I would probably try to sleep. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, I would do the homework. I have a sickness. Of course. Um, 
but there was like uh, how we built this team on the in the Patriots printout or whatever, and it was where everyone came from and how long they've been. And it was half the team was gone from the 2014 from Super oh, Bowl 49. Yeah. Right. So like turnover is inevitable. Yeah. And when you haven't won a playoff game in four years, you're obviously going to have fewer people. Sure. But it's really, it's like that culture and just sort of the like the quote unquote Patriot way. Like it never right. has actually meant anything. It's more about just like guys like McCordy, guys mm-hmm. like Slater, guys who always make the right play guys who always have the answer in the meeting room, guys who are probably always there for their teammates uh, in the locker room, wherever it may be, uh, you don't automatically replace them. Like, yeah. It's not a given that you have that great, high-character, high-quality, high-talent players coming through your midst. Like, it's, yeah. it's not. And those guys are rare. Like, I don't know, just from covering the team, like Devin McCourty and his ability – his leadership, his his like intelligence, his communication abilities, I would say as well, like like mm-hmm. how clear he is, how funny he is, how smart he like those guys are, are, are tough to come by and they're even with the Patriots, there haven't been a lot of those guys who've come through through the years. Um so yeah, I think that you lose something massive there. And you know, hopefully for the Patriots, those guys come back in some form or another or something, or maybe Matthew Slater, if he does decide to retire sticks on as like a team chaplain or something like that but i don't know i think you do lose something um it, do you have any other thoughts obviously we'll get more into offseason stuff as this podcast progresses through the offseason but just on this game in particular and anything that could happen on monday tuesday wednesday whatever thursday this week do you have any other thoughts on the team um no i i expect slow movement uh i expect in, important changes but I don't know how much of that will be kept abreast of, much like last year, where we were kept in the dark. Uh, February, March, owners' meetings, what are they doing? Like, right. I expect more of that the same. Yeah. Uh, but I do, to your point, I, I think a hiring of Bill O'Brien is a possibility because it's just obvious. Like, I refuse mm-hmm. to believe Bill Belichick looks at his offense this year and says, like, well, the players didn't play well enough. Like, I, I don't think he would do that. So. Right. Uh, I don't know. We'll hear from Bill Monday morning. He'll probably have more to say than he did after the game. That was a pretty, pretty useless press conference. Um, after the game, it was just right. sort of there wasn't anything happening there. So no. I would expect a little bit more detail on on his overall thoughts on the feeling, uh, feeling, and maybe we'll get a better idea of what to expect. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't think they're immediately going to like make significant announcements and changes, and they might not ever make those announcements the way they operate. It's possible that I've talked myself into this um, with everything we've talked about, but I'm at the point, like, it would be mutually beneficial for Bill Belichick to bring on either Bill O'Brien in an entirely or almost entirely new offensive staff or, like, Frank Reich, whoever, like, the other option would be who's not essentially an in-house option because, like, I'm not sure if Bill Belichick necessarily wants to say, like, yes, Crafts, I will do whatever you want me to do. But I also think that based on what we've said about like losing leadership, the fact that like they've lost so many coaches, so many executives, like scouts, Ernie Adams, Nick Sarah, all these guys, like the easiest way to replenish that is by bringing in Bill O'Brien and allowing him to either clear house or bring in whoever knew that he wants to. Because I just, even if like the other alternative would be like bring in Bill O'Brien and then have 
Vinny Sinceri is the running backs coach. And, you know, Ross Douglas and Troy Brown is the wide receivers coach. Nick Haley is the tight ends coach and whoever is the offensive line coach. Like, I still don't think that that would present a guarantee that this offense will be better next season. And I think that, I don't know, it just makes Bill Belichick's life more difficult if he still has a bunch of young assistants on offense who might not fully know what they're doing. So, I don't know. I still haven't completely talked to myself into the fact that it's going to happen because I thought it was going to happen last year. And then we yeah. had Matt Patricia as the offensive play caller for an entire year. Um, but, like, my last question to you, what percent chance are you sure or not sure that Bill O'Brien's actually going to come here? Oh, Bill O'Brien specifically, I don't know, 50? Yeah. And that's just a guess. I know. Me too. Based on his history. Yeah. I feel like it's almost comical the like concept of Bill O'Brien as this savior. I don't know that anyone has ever thought of him in that way before. Like he's a good offensive coach, don't get me yeah. wrong. But I actually said this on a different podcast once and I said it poorly and it got clipped as if I was calling for Bill Belichick to be replaced. Um so I have to talk more more carefully. <laughs> Got to pay attention to my words that come out. Um he needs someone like you mentioned Frank Reich. He needs someone to be the head coach of the offense. That's yeah, and what that's I what think. Josh McDaniels was. Exactly. Um, That way, Bill Belichick can be the head coach of the team. But I think it's clear, like, it needs a professional operation in place. And that's, like I mentioned earlier, an entire staff. That is is an entire operation where there's some freedom from the offensive coordinator to run the show on offense. Um, No one has total control as an OC when there's a head coach like that. But maybe not what Josh McDaniels had because that was established over whatever, 13 years. But something closer to that than whatever the hell it was this year, this collaborative effort. How yeah. many times did you hear the collaborative effort, right. the collaborative effort? It was like, that's not going to work. No. You need someone in charge. You need someone who knows what they're doing. You need someone to implement it. So Bill O'Brien can be that. I, I say it's like a 50% chance, whether it's him or someone else. Um, it's got to happen. It, it it really does. Maybe it's Kingsbury. You, know, you never know how things right. shake out in the coming days. But someone who's like, capable competent and confident running the offense needs to happen otherwise and we're gonna wrap up here like with the state of the current patriots if they don't bring in bill o'brien or whoever it is in an entirely new offensive staff like if i were bill belichick i'd almost be like all right guys i'm out like like the, the team what do you has mean de- like has like leaders leaving uh, half the players on the team who cares if they're back or not uh the coaching staff is a mess the scouting department is fairly inexperienced. Like, I'm but good. isn't that I, his? Isn't that his like setup? Like, it is, but I think he's got. It's, it's gotten to the point of being so messy that like, at, at his it age, is. like, like does he like fixing it is so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, well, that's if you what... don't bring in the guy who can hire an entirely new offensive staff. Like, like fixing this is so hard from top to bottom. I don't right. know. Like. And... He, it doesn't feel like they're they're close. And I think yeah. they've got some talent on the roster, but the roster isn't in great shape. The coaching staff isn't in great shape. They've lost so many. Like, it's just a mess right now. I put it this way in my story. Like, he's going to be 71 in April. So the appetite for what's now year four of a rebuild, like, what is the appetite right. for Bill Belichick in his, in his early 70s? I still think it's there. I have not seen yeah. any indication that he's, like, not into football. But... You mentioned like the ability to build a whole staff. I'd really like to know because we talk about it, and sports radio talks about it all the time, like Patricia's salary being paid by Detroit, Judge's salary being paid by paid by New York because they don't have these titles like 
how much of that factors what they can do on the offensive coaching right. staff? Yeah. If if they're like if Belichick's making whatever it is, twenty five million a year, and Patricia and Judge are working for free, and this is what you get, like what the hell are they doing as an organization? Right. Like, Bill Belichick should be making I don't know twenty two and a half million, and two and a half million can go to like high high uh, ranking assistants. I, I don't think that's out of the the concept of of being realistic. So I think yeah. that's a question that only Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft and Bill Belichick actually know the answer to. Yeah. But there has to be some leveling if if there's X amount in the budget for the coaching staff, and that includes free coaches like right. that. That is not a business model. Like they have You're to right. change that. Yeah. Like I, I there's there should be no reason why the Patriots should have to rely on free coaches and. Yes. And just one other point to what bad I was just free, saying. Bad free coaches. Bad free coaches. Like if Gerard Mayo leaves too, I think the defense is probably in pretty good shape. But that's just like one other guy that I don't know if you – like they probably would replace him from within. Like maybe Demarcus Covington. Like I a, actually want to butt in if I could because the defense was a strength this year. We agree. What if Gerard Mayo leaves and the defense goes to hell? And then everyone points to Gerard Mayo <laughs> and everyone's mad at Steve Belichick again, which they were all of last year. Like. Right. There is a possibility. I've said the word like 80 times in the past five minutes, and I'd like to apologize for that. The way I'd like to apologize, that was that didn't count, but I would I will apologize. I've said like too many times. But remember, like last year, I just said it again, everyone was pissed at Steve Belichick and no one was pissed at Gerard Mayo. Right. If Gerard Mayo leaves after this year and the defense takes a tumble, the attention goes back to Steve and Bill and all like there is a lot of messiness there. Yes. Right? Yes. It's it's a messy situation that I I would probably not personally be excited to fix if I was going if I was seventy one years old, but yeah, I'm I'm not Bill Belichick. I'm never gonna die, so I can't really think about it. Like Joe Burrow was asked after the game, "What's your championship window? Is this it?" And he answered something to the effect of, "My entire as career, long as I'm yeah, playing, yeah, right. my entire career, my as long as I'm playing, the window's open." Yeah. And I want to just shake his hand. You know, we're never gonna die, Joe. Yeah, we are gonna yeah. be young forever, invincible. I, I love agree it. with that. All right. Well, that will do it for today's show. Um, rate, subscribe, do all that cool stuff. And we're going to have another podcast this week and maybe give – is moratorium, is that the correct word to use for the Patriot season? Um, is that a word? See. That's a that's a word. An obituary? Isn't that when you're not allowed – that's when you're not – yeah, an obituary. A moratorium is more like a, um, an embargo sort of thing, mm. isn't it? Like you can't well, report something for a while? Uh, Stephen Polanco says no Harry Potter segment. Nope, not today. We'll do that during the week. That's not that's not like a post game thing. Post game well, shows are important. Watch. I also need to watch a lot of movies. I need to watch number four. I haven't done that yet. I've been busy with football and all sorts of other things. And uh, but yeah, we're gonna get out of here, and we will be back. Well, quick, with you. quick uh, mention to Kelly Hart in the in the comments. Like, oh yeah, that's fair. I have a bias toward Troy Brown. I think he's really cool. I, I said right. that. Maybe I'm yeah. wrong. Um, if you are 50 and jacked and won a bunch of Super Bowls and you're the best punt returner return man in Patriots history and uh, you're just a cool guy, like maybe I have a blind spot for you. But it's fair. The the, the receivers did have some spacing issues. Some I, I still go back to the offensive coordinator on that one, though, to answer that one uh, seriously. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the fact that there was no offensive coordinator. Usually yeah, an good. issue as far as wider receiver spacing goes. Save okay. some money, though. Save some money on the coaching budget. So <laughs> thank, thank God. pros and cons. Thank God. All, All right, right Doug. We'll talk to you guys again later. It was nice talking to you, Mike. Bye. You, you as well.